This is the Real Life Blue Stories Podcast, a collection of unique perspectives shedding light on the real life, everyday stories of the Indianapolis Colts. It's brought to you by your host, Megan Hall of USA Today's Colts Wire. This is the Real Life Blue Stories podcast with your host, the one and only Meg Hall. I've got co-host Kev with me, and we decided to bring back someone who we did a podcast with, like, you know, a couple lifetimes ago. Uh, if you were with us on the Indy Intercept days, and you might know him from, I would like to say, the Jaguars, like, party episode, because it was our entire staff, plus this guy. It is Mr. Kyle Nash, uh, a.k.a. the student of the game. Kyle, thank you so much for co- coming on and joining us. Honor, joy, and privilege. No, I uh, listen. First of all, I do remember the party from the Indian Intercept. I, I mean, I lost count of all that. Matter of fact, that party is still so legendary. Just last night, I referred to a certain quarterback on fire, the Fired Up Florida podcast of the South Florida Tribune. Uh, I referred to one Yosemite San Ellinger. So, <laughs> that's, um, that is how legit that party pod was. Uh, featuring the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Colts. Yes, that was. Yes, a- thank you for that reminder. And shout out to Boom for the Yosemite Sam uh, reference. <laughs> So for those of you who are listening and watching, if you don't know, Kyle is a writer and podcast host, host, excuse me, for the Black and Gold Banneret, the Three Point Conversion, A7BN Sports Area. That's a mouthful. And Hilarity by Default. I think I got every single thing that you do. Uh, Yes, you have, in fact, nailed it. Carry on. (laughs) All right. So let's do a quick rundown of what the show is going to be like. So we just did our quick introduction. If you don't know, now you know. And we will hop right into the giddy up, which is, hey, how did you get your start? And we got a couple of questions there. Uh, There is a segment that we created just for you called Crown Me, Please. The Jaguars have won the AFC South. What do they get? You know, what do they do to get there? How do they maintain that title? And a couple of other questions around uh, some key areas that need to be addressed for them. And then the final segment of the show is called the Blue Light Special. So you can ask Kev or I any questions, sports-related or not, as long as they're respectful. We always ask. Um, some of those questions are usually, you know, what is your top favorite Colts all time? What do you think the Colts are going to do in the draft? What's your favorite movie? What food do you hate? Anything like that. So we like to keep it fun, like to keep it light around here. Let's just start from the top. So how did you get your start and what exactly is student of the game? Oh boy. This is, this is to see, this is what I don't get much. Like this is, this is one of those things where, where and, and it's funny. I I did an interview with a UCF student and, and he asked me this too. And I'm like, listen, buddy, if you're looking for a big inspirational story, this ain't that. Um, listen, <laughs> you know, we were talking off air going into it and I cited my huge ego. Let me tell you where I'm coming from with that. So the whole concept started with me and a flag football, my flag football team in college, right? College, right? Um, and just screwing around, I did a, a recap of one of our flag games. You know, we obliterated like the the, the Jewish fraternity team, like forty something to seven. It was it was in, it was it was not a fun night for them. Other than the fact that they got to see a couple athletes on my guys go to work, they got some interceptions and stuff. It was pretty funny. But so I wrote that game up, and they were like, "Wow, this is pretty cool." And 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 I forget exa- the exact order of operations, but like living in Florida, and this is about the time in 2003, so we're in the playoffs where the Bucks were about to win their first Super Bowl, um, you know, with with another old guy at quarterback that isn't half as famous, but this is Brad Johnson, right? So, um, you know, so I wrote up I wrote up some of the playoff games, screwing around. They're like, "Wow, this is really good. You should kind of build on this." 
So I turned it into a news, an email newsletter for me and all the people. And like, hey, who's all your favorite teams? And, you know, I would do like, I think it was a handful of teams. And then I would do somebody asked to do bullet points for, you know, scores for each game and all this stuff. And there's a local writer here in Orlando for the Sentinel, uh, Mike Bianchi, who used to do a thing called rattling off the typewriter. I did my version of that. That turned into the student of the game email newsletter because you know me being in college granted like my very last year at the time um being a student and watching games i mean let put it all together folks you know um so yeah and then i did that for a while and my buddy was putting this thing together um hey there's this thing called podcasts like the hell is that well people have <laughs> ipods I'm a college student. I'll buy no damn iPod. I just got out of school. I'm making 20 something a year. What are you talking about iPods? Oh, well, you know, for those that can afford it, they download these things that they play and they'll listen to people talking. You mean not music? Yeah, that. So, um, and he built me a website, you know, shouts to Ryan Price, AKA Buddy Lee, man of action. And, um, you know, on the Liberator Network. I don't know if that's still a thing, but yeah, there it is. Um, and so that got started and flash forwarding for 10 years, I did that, you know, now people ask, well, Kyle, why did you keep doing it? Because I got sick of watching ESPN get it wrong. That's really <laughs> what it comes down to, right? Like at, at the end of the day, and I know everybody talks when I mentioned Miami, Ohio state championship and bad calls, everyone immediately goes to Willis McGahee. And I get that. Mm. Um, but no, there's another one in there too, where there was a, it's a play with a series of turnovers in it. And uh, Maurice Claret had picked up a fumble that was refumbled and fumbled it again, but they didn't call that. And they keep strategically clipping and cutting away just in time for you to not notice that. It's very suspicious, very, very uh, Kennedy assassinate, assassinationist. You know what I'm saying? Like just, just, just a lot of scandalous action. Then I'm like, well, where else have I seen this possibly sort of thing happen? Now, everybody in a particular playoff game before what is dubbed the catch two among 49er fans talks about Jerry Rice fumbling the football, which he may or may not have. He did. Anyways, but no one talks about Leroy Butler fumbling the ball after an interception. That's conveniently. We're going to cut it just at the last minute before he fumbles it. So seeing those two things and kind of building on that, listen, I'll go get my tinfoil hat if that's what you think. But I really got sick of ESPN doing it wrong. So I started doing it my way, uh, you know, and nowadays that's even kind of the thing here. You got all these sh sh shows of people yelling at each other. Me, I'm here for discussion. I'm only going to dunk on you if you stand in the lane. Frankly, I'm here to actually help each other, one another, get some baskets really when it comes down to it. But yeah, that's so that's really kind of the amalgamation of it. I am self-built, if you will. Uh, my first credentialed event was in 2013, 10 years after I had got started in 2003, um, with the 50th induction of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Chris yeah. Carter, um, Bill Parcells, Warren Sapp, um, a very awesome class, Jonathan Ogden, Larry Allen, um, Dave Robinson, Carly Culp, you know, wow, I remember everybody. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, and, and that's funny that I go back nine years later to do another hall of fame thing when Tony Baselli uh, gets inducted as well too. So that was, that was it too. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's generally the gist of the, the evolution or creation therein, the metamorphosis into the student of the game. So there you go. 
Okay, so this is like student for life at this point. Like we just have, we've continued on this journey. One can always hope, Nick. <laughs> Every day is a school day, Kyle. I live by that. that Class is in session, baby. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I've heard. Okay, so we got student of the game. So obviously this has evolved from just that to now you're doing other things. So you're doing podcasting. And I think, I, I could be wrong, but I think you're also covering XFL games right I am, now? I am covering the XFL. I, I, I attend um, the last home game at Camping World Stadium, unfortunately, for this season for the Orlando Guardians. Yes, I've been covering the XFL. Um, I covered the AAF uh, when they were here in Orlando, uh, the Orlando Apollos as well, which still mad about that. By the way, that painting behind me and Aaron That's Evans' wow. original a tackle for both UCF and the Orlando Apollo. So there's that. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, there's, if it's in Orlando football wise, I've at least tried to cover it. I'll put it that way. Okay. Okay. I like that. I really do like that. I think that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Cause you don't see, you don't see a whole lot of folks, you know, kind of spreading outside of the NFL. So it's really cool to see, you know, Hey, when you're able to broaden your horizons there. So I like that a lot. I was one of those AAF guys with you, Kyle. It's, it's, it was sad that we didn't get to see that play out. Yeah. Well, I, and I'll say this, this rendition of the XFL, which it figures they get out of Tampa and it does better, you know, people, I would say no offense to USF fans, but I'd be lying. Uh, this, so, <laughs> um, but, uh, no, the, uh, yeah, it's the, the opportunity because I'm right here. There's, there's a lot of sport in Orlando, obviously, you know, from, uh, from, they even had a professional roller hockey team here at one point. The 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 the, the um, there were frogs or toads or something like that. I figured it off the top, off the top. But people embrace the concept here in Orlando. Kind of well. See, here's the thing: you had back before uh, gambling was frowned upon, and it made sense that Pete Rose was banned from baseball. <clears throat> uh, they were they were looking for a place with the vacation allure of Las Vegas without the stigma of gambling. On Orlando was that there they were actually studies done and I studied this in school believe it or not that play, things like professional sports team or convention centers were things that were icing to areas that had cake in the form of good tourism which Orlando obviously is so that's why typically you see Orlando teams doing well example being the Guardians have won a single football game but still get seven thousand in their stadium that's an accomplishment. Yeah, I would say so. I would say so. All right. So we know that you cover football. Is there any other sports that you cover? Like anything else? Yeah. So I, I like to say, and and if you've heard any of my podcasts, be it, you know, the student of the game, me guesting on Huddle Up or any other places that I go, you you may have heard me refer to uh, basketball as my distant third language because my first two would obviously be the NFL and college football. Which somehow or another, I got fluent in college football. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, you know, you live somewhere long enough, and then you start to pick up the language. I guess. Anyways, um, by the way, I still rely on you and Silu for the best indie Colts uh, draft takes, whatever that's worth to you guys. So, I but, appreciate uh, that. <laughs> me too, Kyle. I piggyback off their mocks. No, I mean, <laughs> listen, y'all mock a little too much. Um, but the old, listen, I had to work with my guy Dalton Tinklenberg because it was his idea that I do the student of the game real mock draft. I'm sure you've probably seen it across the socials. If you haven't, there's the SOTG and the student of the game on Facebook. May the force be with you. Um, 
but I, I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I, I haven't told him yet, but I want C. Lou to look at it and let me know how nuts it is or how real it is. I don't know, but um, I say all that to say, I know college football. I analyze that. I am a terrible scout, so I get my my draft takes from other people, you know. But, <laughs> um, but for other sports, I've covered the Magic uh, lightly when there is time, and um, my actual first fully paid opportunity was with the black and gold banneret starting last season um i was covering men's and women's basketball for ucf so um okay you know and an iconic year for the women by the way just a number of free throws away from toppling gino oriema uh in the uh, ncaa tournament and then the entire department basically moved to georgia because they have money but it's okay i'm not i'm not hurt no anyway but Shouts to Coach the TMSer who had, did a fantastic job. Shouts to Destiny Thomas who stayed and did a fantastic job and kept it not only fun to watch for the fans, but those of us that are covering them. Here, here. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I love it because basketball is my first love, and you know what they say about the first one. So yeah, I I love that you also we can we can uh, talk hoops someday, Kyle. I like that a lot. I, uh, I would have fun. With, I'm a little behind on the NBA right now because the XFL has happened as it has. But here's what I will say: if you like '90s style basketball where it could get rugged and they used post players, the college women's game is for you, my friend. Let me tell you that I have seen Tennessee come to town here in Orlando. And these chicks battle in a way like I'm pretty sure they could knock me over if I was 40 pounds less. Like that's the one thing I got on, on their on their post players is I'm over 300. None of them are. But then again, their knees are in a lot better shape. So maybe they would still take me out. I don't know. But um, no, it's they play that 90s style of basketball. It's very physical and they're not afraid to give up, you know, to give up their body to make the play and and. Whether it's you have the po- whether you have the post players or you have the uh, the Napoleon complex dynamos that are less than six foot, making a Mark Price reference just as much as I am a diamond battles one there, right? Comparing it to '90s NBA, like that's that's the kind of basketball you get. And if you know a team may come in and try it from this whole pretty ball, chuck it from the cheap seats thing that that happens in the NBA now, they pay for it. The same way that anybody who battles Steph Curry is going to get physical and he seems to fade. Funny how that works, you know. Um, but no one wants to talk about that. They just want to talk about how LeBron allegedly can't finish in the fourth quarter. But when it's Steph Curry, he's still a god. Anyways, now you got me going NBA. I blame you. Let's Kev. go. All right, Kyle. Listen, I'm going to send you a listen. DM after the show. We're gonna I was going to say, Kev, Kev is probably in heaven because we've had two hoops guys that don't like that don't cover basketball as their first sport back to back. So we had James Boyd of The Athletic <laughs> on last week. He's a hooper by trade, by nature. So Kev, and he covered the Pacers before he covered the Colts. So Kev has been in heaven since last week. So I know that he's you're gonna you're definitely gonna get a DM from him. Don't yeah, worry about that. I liked it that much. I would do my basketball talk on OnlyFans. Get some damn money for it. What's Ooh, that? let's go. Hey, listen. <laughs> oh hey, God. I'm not I'm not opposed to it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my good lord. No. All right. Moving right along, uh, let's go to the next segment. So let's talk about Crown Me, please. So this was this segment was for you, Kyle. So the situation is the Jaguars won the AFC South. What did they do to get there? How do they maintain the title? And then we'll also talk about what key areas need to be addressed in the draft to help them continue this title quest, or I guess maintaining their AFC South title. Yeah, so let, Let's start first. What did they do to get here? Like, how did the Jags pull this off from your opinion, from your lens? 
I mean, this part's really going to be the short part of the answer, no question, right? I still can, first of all, uh, here we go. So the other reason I'm involved is it's not just ESPN, but a lot of people who are getting paid for it don't get as, don't even do the job as well as a lot of people that don't, right? I know plenty of people that Megan Hall and Kev could just crush in terms of actual sports knowledge and analysis, okay? And I'm not trying to skip to mention to any big names, and let me skip over that part because, you know, I don't want to throw any shade or anything like that, you know. Um, I don't want anybody to seem like I'm being a little sharp in my puns either. But what I'm trying to say is this. There are too many people that get paid a lot of money that do the job poorly. Now, I get it. They're, they're, they're nationally relevant. They're focused on a lot of things, so they only know a little bit about all of it. They're trying to be versatile, blah, 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 excuses, whatever. My punchline is this. Anybody who picked Brian Dayball as the coach of the year is the problem. Hmm. How in the entire hell do you go from literally the worst hire in NFL coaching history where a fan base is literally wearing clown masks to home games mm-hmm. and a dude takes someone to a division title the very next year and that man isn't the coach of the year. Mm. I'll wait. <laughs> Hold up. Let him cook. <laughs> so you see, you seem a little hurt, like I won't say hurt is the word, but perturbed by that. The fact that like that Doug didn't get his, his, his justice or his due diligence or his recognition for and the things not, that he did. Here's what it is. As you speaking of let him, let, let him cook. Russell Carrington Wilson was the actual MVP in 2017 and 2019. Yes, over Lamar Demetrius Jackson. And I'm clear to make sure that you see that Lamar Demetrius Jackson gets middle name status. By the way, that's the thing on the student of the game. If you are a, 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 a talent of great worth, you get a middle name added to you. You know, kind of like, uh, kind of like Joseph Clifford Montana, for example. Anyways. So um, <laughs> every day is a school day. I'm telling you. I, right. I just left. I'm like Clifford. <laughs> And, and, you know, I would I would go I would cater to my audience here, but I have honestly forgotten Peyton Manning's middle name because it's something really out there. It's not typical, but I digress. Um, see, now she's looking it up. It's That's not I, Archibald, which you would expect not it to Archie, be. Archibald. <laughs> that would be appropriate. But and, and listen, it's moments like this that I, I would have good. It's parents. Williams. Williams is his middle That's name. That's it. Peyton Williams Manning. See, and that's an example. Of I, would, I don't think I've ever looked up what his middle name was. Like, it's never dawned on me to be like, you know, what? what is Peyton Manning's middle name? Like, that's never. Never well, trust a man with two first names. Always trust a quarterback with two last names. Interesting. It's a new rule. I didn't know it until today, but hey. We're going to dive into that a little later, Kev, I think. But I mean, listen, as far as you looking up and learning middle names of uh, not just quarterbacks, but keep in mind, Aaron Charles Rogers, two time MVP, is matched with the defensive player, Aaron Charles Donald, who should have been the actual Super Bowl MVP as his game. But I digress. And if you're like, I never knew these names. Well, this is me uh, uh, taking over my Maui personality. What can I say except you're welcome? So anyways, I'm um, what I, I warned you guys about ego. Anyways, um, so you have that situation where obviously the media, media being big in New York voted for the local guy. Kyle, mm-hmm. you're being a homer. Fool, I'm a Niners fan. What you talk about homer, okay? 
the ones the one the ones who are being the homers are well i don't think fox's offices are located in new york so they may be getting safe for suit for copy and fright right infringement because there's the homers see that that pun took a little time to get there but you knew it was coming anyways so yeah that's why dayball won i said it and it's crap like that that i'm trying to fight against every day and really, if you need a worse offender, an example for a real world example, I will throw Bill Simmons entirely under under the bus. The Gary Washburns that have the audacity to prevent LeBron James from getting the unanimous MVP vote. You're welcome, Kev. So, uh, so it's that. So that's sort of the reason I exist. I'm not expecting actual, you know, prowess at that level. That's the goal. But uh, but in such fashion, like somebody's got to be there to to point all of it out someone's got to actually teach the history in the class but back to the whole reason the jags got the crown his name is doug peterson mm-hmm. i could go other places well trevor lawrence came to pass and look at all these new receivers and oh the defense was wonderful i mean well they were good i don't know about wonderful but yeah <laughs> you know but no the answer is doug peterson and you as colts fans should eat every bit of this analysis up right Take a look at literally every single solitary Jacksonville Jaguars victory, period. Forget just close, different, whether a divisional, otherwise, victory, period. In particular, your Indianapolis Colts are still 0-8 now in Jacksonville. Not because necessarily they were the inferior team. They just were that day because I could have brought in several medical helicopters for all the injury trauma going on with that roster. Yes, I made a MASH unit reference there, okay? That's yeah. how much injury you guys had, and you paid for it on the road, I might add. Guess what? Y'all start, you all started to get healthy, and you even the matchup up. There wasn't a sweep there. Many Jags fans felt like there should have been. That is a separate question. Um, you know, this is the same Jags team that, by the way, early in this season, found a way to let the Texans come to town and ruin Tony Baselli's halftime induction into the ring of honor and ceremony for the Hall of Fame um, ring. Like, dudes, this is the kind of stuff you were dealing with. But yet again, if you talk to the faithful there, it was always the Jags. And that's nice. that's that part came into play with not just the fact that they won, but the one that they way that they did. If the other side made the slightest of errors, the Jags were in the game, and you were reminded it was always the Jags. I can I can reference the Chargers game. Hell, I'll even make it easy for you. You and I both know that this, this while being a Super Bowl 57 hat, looks like a team that should have been leading at halftime in that playoff game in Jacksonville, which I was at, thank you very much, um, where the Chargers should have been winning 42-7 to with five first-half turnovers. People are wondering who Trevor's dealer is. What kind of drugs is he on? What's going on here in general? Not to mention some of those interceptions were awful, awful defensive pass interferences that did not happen objectively. Like, that, I don't know. Drugs. Anyways, so, but then again, they come back, and it was always the Jags. And... And they got the victory. I, I asked Christian Kirk, is this what it was always the Jags looks like? It's like, yeah, man, unless we come up with something crazier next week. <laughs> I, I got nothing. But um, now maintaining the success, that's a little different. So the first of all, the thing we got to get out of the way is while he doesn't have middle name status, Trevor Lawrence is certainly in a position to achieve that, right? Name me another coach that got anything out of the Mercedes Carson Wentz 
um, I say Mercedes wins because when he's driving well, it's really smooth. And then when he needs to be repaired, it's really expensive. Anyways, yeah. so um, name me another coach that got, you're welcome, that got uh, any other real production out of the Mercedes Wentz other than Doug Peterson for an extended period of time. And for a while there, it was happening in Indy. Boy, that car hit the wall. Um, somebody needed to look up the Carfax on the Mercedes Wentz after that year, y'all, because the damage was in more of the computer system rather than anything with the engine. Yes, I'm referencing his mind there. Hey, no, 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 I got you. I'm following. I'm following. <laughs> but, uh, it's for the listeners, man. I know you're smart. You're wearing glasses. Uh, <laughs> oh, um, but... So with Doug Peterson and that success, even to the point where the, he's done something in championship games that the Jacksonville Jaguars didn't do, and that's beat Thomas Edward Patrick Bieber Brady. Um, it's for the long hair phase. Anyways, I know you were going to ask me why I call him Bieber. Yeah, I, know I was like, Bieber? It's the long hair phase. You guys got you. Got you. That's the phase he was in when he was like, like crying about not getting drafted, and I'm like, and I'm not, I'm never going to make fun of Tom Brady for crying because that was that moment where like, that is just why this, why this man is so dangerous on a field. I, I get it. Anyways. Um, I'm all over the place. I hope you guys like that. Anyways. <laughs> if um, not anybody who's watching or listening to this episode, the next day is going to be like, what happened on this podcast? It's, it's, it's going to be an, an, an episode of inception here. Y'all you, you may want to watch it more than once. You'll catch different things when the top is spinning, but, um, Here's so the Jags, in order to maintain that success, have to maintain the production. Obviously, there were some key pieces that had to be let go. <laughs> Mike, so this is Mike from Tor in the AFC South. He said, Yikes, way to hurt the Colts fans with the wind. If I had known the general was going to come in there, I would have had my touring the AFC South shirt, which looks phenomenal. But my dumbass spelled Kool Aid on it the other day, so I got to get it washed. But, anyways, um. The, the, the piece, uh, well, I haven't even started on your Titans either, uh, Mr. Patton, but I digress. No, I know you're a Niners fan. Anyways, but now I'm having co conversations with people in the comments section. Y'all weren't ready for this. I, I don't think. Interactive I, I don't think, live television. Yeah, well, this, is, this, is, television. this is the this part is of live. Like the comments have been rolling over here. I just haven't put the comments up yet, but I thought that one was worthy of putting up on the screen because I knew I was like, well, Kyle knows Mike. Um, and yeah, Mike's been commenting away, so. Listen, listen, the general is always worthy of props. I'll leave it at that. But um, yeah, no, with, with that in mind, so the biggest pieces and the biggest part of, of maintenance is, first of all, accounting for a more difficult schedule. Outside of the AFC South, we're talking about the Chiefs, the Niners, the Bengals getting involved. That's mm -hmm. problematic. The good news is, without having seen the draft and with no disrespect to my Indianapolis Colts friends here, um, the rest of the AFC South isn't exactly looking what I would call promising. Um, the Texans okay. are continuing to rebuild. They be they may be illin for Williams after all. Yes, we're going with that one until they come up with a better one, Kev. I know Caleb Williams. Roll is, with it. Yeah, is, <laughs> you know, give me solutions, not problems. That's what I'm I, saying. But, hey, I'm I'm rolling with it till we come up with something better. <laughs> there you go. Um, you know, the Colts' fate is is actually the most fascinating in the division. Fascinating in the division, if you ask me, because the regime change a lot of movement going on, a lot of identity stuff. And, and and to be honest, I think they may be in a position where they still might have one of the better offensive lines in the division I can make the argument for. You know, even though there was a lot of injuries last year, I know Megan was highly critical of elements of the offensive line, and rightly so, but yet somehow 
still maybe one of the better ones in the division. This is up there with the Dolphins have winning the be- one of the better lines in their division and with the best hoopty car on the lot. He's not wrong. Um, but but the problem with the Jags mostly was defensive, right? Mm-hmm. As many people as threw tomatoes at the screen for Trayvon Walker's drafting at the top overall, who, who now are, by the way, sending them Christmas cards if they have any element of fairness in their hearts. Um Devin Lloyd was the one that was a bit uh, upsetting as a first round pick, a little bit, a little bit underperforming. And the secondary was problematic as well. Shaquille Griffin, as cool as it was to talk to him and his twin brother covering stuff for the black and gold banneret, um, he underperformed severely. He went from being the guy that held De- DeAndre Hopkins to three catches for 21 yards and Christian Kirk lighting up the stat sheet, inspiring the pickup, at least that's my little conspiracy theory, to basically injuring himself out of play. I won't talk about burnt toast and stuff like that because it's mean to do to a guy that got hurt. And I might actually interview him in the future as an alumnus, so I need to watch myself. But um, the, 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 the turnover there is an issue. Um, the offensive tackle adjustments, Jawan Taylor leaving. I hated Cam Robinson's contract the previous year, not because I hate Cam Robinson, but he has been an injury concern, and I believe Jawan Taylor was a better overall investment. Well, now he's not there at all. Walker Little's great um, as a depth uh, tackle, but we'll see what they do with whether they're going to roll him up to starter or how that's going to work. So the offensive line is its own concern. Uh, Despite all the defensive pass rushing names, they're going to be less dominant. I know they're probably going to get smoot back at the tackle position, but Arden Key, um, though only a air quotes rotational piece, is a big loss, and they have to fill that p- pass rushing piece. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, please account for the fact that I only mentioned one offensive concern. That's what they got going for them. This ca- Listen, people could say that they took a gamble on the Calvin Ridley trade, but... <laughs> It's only in minimal fashion because the worst thing they're going to lose is a fourth round pick. You tell me a single fourth round prospect in this year's draft at wide receiver that is even close to coming out with the upside and ceiling of one uh, uh, Calvin Ridley. He can't do it. So you know, they got that going for them offensively. Um, the Ernest Johnson is probably the most underrated signing so far. Because this is a guy that that truly adds depth to a committee. If anyone was concerned about Travis Entian's health, now they're running by committee. And this is something that the Jags have had success with in the past. For anybody that remembers the pairing of Fred Taylor and Maurice Jones-Drew. Am I saying that any of these guys are either of them? No. But these are guys that are good in a committee system. Stuff that you've seen work in places like, oh, I don't know, New England. So, yeah, um, they got a lot going there. But defense and making clear adjustments i'm pretty sure my draft people here on this show um referencing specifically ms hall um would probably see the jags going for either a corner or a safety at the particular pick they're at assuming they stay at 24 and i would mm. think that that's their best move yeah i would also argue that 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 defensive line might be uh in the trenches might be on their radar as well not not that high but right. i've been seeing more and more reports that they have been bringing in uh defensive line guys for visits, um, for workouts, things like that. So, I, I, I mean, I'm assuming it's probably going to be, hey, depth there. But yeah, not wouldn't be shocked there either. Right. Well, it, it, and that's what here's what that tells me. Expect that pick to be traded. 
that's that's my scuttlebutt. Let me put my my uh, tinfoil hat on. If you're seeing a lot of defensive front guys coming in, they, so people are going to be working the phones Thursday night while I'm on with the Team NBS media crew covering the draft for the first night, hosting the show with my guy, uh, Bill Carroll and Jeff Barnes. So there you go. Love the shameless plug. I love it. Love a good shameless plug. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you just covered like a multitude of things here. And I I think we even touched on the draft. Um, I think the other thing that I just wanted to point out is this, is that I think what gives the Jags a, a really solid chance at winning the division again is that they pulled off something that not even they really, I think, believed was going to happen. So, you know, they're what, I think they were three and seven. And they went on a seven-game win streak while you saw the Titans go on a seven-game losing streak. Now, obviously, the the Titans, I mean, they went through it. The offense looked a mess. They had a number of injuries. Like, they couldn't get anything going. Quarterback issues. Like, you name it, it probably happened to to the Titans. Where I see the Jags coming back to win the division again, and sorry, Titans fans, if you're watching, like, hey. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but where I could see potentially the Jags coming back is they have consistency, which the other three teams in the division right now are trying to establish, right? The Titans there were trying to establish, Hey, we are consistent. We got back to back titles. We're ready to go. We're going to win a third one. Like it's our division, blah, 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 blah. blah. And then the sky fell and they never recovered. And so I think the the larger thing is how much work is Rand Carthen going to have to do to get them back to consistency because he's atoning for the sins of John Robinson. And now mind you, this is what got John Robinson fired mid season. So, and people were like, Oh my goodness, why would you fire a GM mid season? Because it was that bad. All the chickens came home (laughs) to the coop uh, in that. And when AJ Brown came and wrecked them and created the stuff of nightmares, the entire game was just awful. And it was a swirling microcosm of all the moves that John Robinson had made. So since then, the Titans have been trying to right the ship. You've seen it by uh, Rand Carthen, you know, tilling that roster the bottom half in an attempt to get back to, hey, we need to win a division. And of course, you know, move forward after that. Um, but I would be I would be hard pressed not to overlook the Jags coming back. And I know everyone's like, oh, the Jags aren't going to repeat that success, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but the Jags are the most, in my opinion, the most well put together team right now as it stands more than anyone in the division said no one ever until just now. (laughs) Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to say it out loud. I'm going to say it out loud because I'm, I'm real about like my team. I'm real about the division and where, where we are. Like the Titans got work. The Colts got work. The Texans got work. Like everyone is now, you know, everyone's now looking at the Jags as the standard. Like they've been quietly building through the draft the last several years and they've been, you know, getting better and better. The issue was you had urban Meyer, uh, you know, and, and that derailment, but you get Doug Peterson and all of a sudden now it just takes a couple of games and Doug finally figures out, Hey, how can I unlock Trevor Lawrence? And once he did that, you saw it. Trevor Lawrence has arrived. Now he's, his confidence got better. He started believing in himself and they believed they could overcome almost nearly anything. And I would think the Cowboys game is a big example of that where the sky was literally falling in that game. And I'm like, there's no way they're coming back to win this. And they come back and win it. Obviously, they came back and won the Chargers game. And that takes a lot to do. Not saying that you want that for every game, but it shows the resiliency of the team and where they're headed. And that future is really bright uh, for the Jaguars. So this is not, you know, homage to the Jaguars per se, but this is a reality of where we are in the division is that the Jaguars are now leading and everyone else has to catch up. See, and 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 I, I I'm peering at the comments, and the general says says it much more eloquently that hold up, 
The Jags are still the Jags after all. There's something. <laughs> here's what's different. Like, understood. What's similar to Jags success in the past? Because believe it or not, see, it, mommies and daddies used to watch playoff games early in the tournament where the Jaguars would win. I know. Long 30-yard runs by David Garrard against the Steelers. It's, mm. it's interesting stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, playing against better quarterbacks than Josh Dubs, you know. But, um, sorry, Titans fans. But here's the, the part that is most compelling is these – Jaguar teams this Jaguar team I should say is built closer to those in the past and had those nuclei nucleuses nuclei whatever that haven't been possessed of late right if I ask you to name coaches that you thought were good in Jacksonville lately that would be tougher right yeah but if I say to you Tom Coughlin and Jack Del Rio you're at least slightly respective of their football acumen you know, and, and, you know, if I say to you, Mark Brunel, David Garrard, these are names, you know, but certainly didn't have the prowess. I, I mean, let's, let's put it this way. Nobody, no Nick Wright esque talent is going to shave their head and look handsome like Mark Brunel, the way that he's wearing a Trevor Lawrence wig. Okay. <laughs> like that's, that's, that's the extra potential they have. If things continue to go right, the dyna- the, they, they could have kind of an AMC South kind of dynasty situation. Not so much that they're great, is that the other franchises are bad. That's what people keep forgetting about the, uh, the Patriots dynasty. They're good in their own right, sure. Their defenses are among the underrated. There's a reason why Richard Seymour um, and others in that Patriots defense are Hall of Famers. And Mike Vrabel, Coach Mike Vrabel, will be one himself one day. It's because that defense drove that group and they were a complete organization. They weren't just Thomas Edward Patrick Bieber Brady, but they were also surrounded by mediocre opponents. Mm. No offense mm. to your Colts, but let's be clear. Peyton, <laughs> Peyton Williams Manning is not walking through that door. And unfortunately, Andrew Luck wasn't around long enough to earn middle name status, though he could have been if properly cared for. Sigh, sigh, uh, sigh. Uh, all right, I'm gonna I'm let you. Author. I'm gonna <laughs> let you. I'm gonna let you slide on that. Like, every, I feel like every time we we bring up Andrew Luck, I feel like yes, it's true. No, I don't want to talk about it. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at media. I'm just acknowledging your trauma, and then I'm here for hugs. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, so let's let's go into the last portion of the podcast. So it's called Blue Light Special. This is the portion where you get to ask us questions, and sometimes we have questions for you too. We make this conversational, uh, but basically, you can ask us questions, sports related or not, and we will answer as honestly as we can. So the floor is yours. Well, okay. Here's let me uplift you a little bit about a certain topic. Who who was the who was the rookie quarterback that has the most comeback wins? In Cole's history, hmm. I believe it, it's Andrew Luck. It's Andrew it Luck, yeah. <laughs> even more than Johnny Unitas, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, reason- Peyton wasn't doing a lot that was good in his rookie year. Either. No, he was not. <laughs> <laughs> that was back when the Niners were bad too, and he was one of the wins they had. Whew. Um, <laughs> no, but so it, it, let me ask you this though: here's here's kind of where 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 I'm at because for all the offensive accolades that are given to the Colts, I mean, whether we're talking about Marvin with Marvin Harrison Jr.'s kid coming up and being the only reason, in my opinion, Ohio State was competing in the final four there against Georgia. I said it. Um, But 
defensive players don't get a lot of dap uh, with the horseshoe. Mm. Who are you, your guys's? And we could go all time, or we could go recent, or however you want to play it. But who are among your favorite defensive players for the Colts? And I'm sure I know some of the usual suspects, and one of them that was a transfer from Tampa, who's one of the worst college analysts of all time. You know, shouts to my guy Booker McFarland. But um, yeah, who name me some of the defensive players uh, that are among your favorite here? Let Let's get to know Kevin Megan. Oh boy, um, Kev, do you want to go first? I I could I I well I'm gonna I'm more of a sports historian myself I I do love oh, uh, the sports history so you know I'm gonna th- there's of course I don't want to take because there, there's three names that I assume every Colts fan thinks of when they think of Colts defensive players mm-hmm. so I'm gonna save those um, I'm gonna mention Gary Brackett who is one of my mm-hmm. favorite uh, Colts linebackers of all time. Um, and I will take one of the three because I know uh, I, I'm going to leave at least those two for me. Robert Mathis, of course, uh, one of my favorites. But I have more. You know, I, OK, we'll throw Chad Bratsky out there as a young, young, young Kev was a big fan of Chad Bratsky. Um, so Meg, what about you? Who Before I, I it'd be too easy for me to just I, I'm afraid I'm going to take all the easy ones and yeah. leave you with nothing. So I'm going to hand it to you before I jump back in. So I'm actually going to say Laurent Landry. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding, by the way. Colts fans, everyone's going to be like, Laurent Landry. No, I'm totally kidding. Um, Turn the caps lock off. It's okay. (laughs) No, um, I'm actually going to say Bob Sanders. Uh, There we go. Big, big Bob Sanders fan. Uh, Mathis was on my list. Definitely. You got to have Mathis. I feel like you can't mention Mathis without mentioning Freeney. Like you kind of have to go in tandem there. yeah, that's. I mean, those are probably. If I go all time, those are my favorites. I would say in recent. Um, I mean, Kenny Moore has been when he's when Kenny Moore is on. Let me say that because he's kind of been up and down, and we know why because the scheme fit things like that. But Kenny Moore has been pretty solid in the last couple of years, and and a lot of times. Before, well, I'll say this: not a lot of times in recent memory. <laughs> uh, when he was playing well, you know, he's got the nickname Lightning Lightning in a Bottle. Um, and you know, that's kind of what he is. He is, you know, a smaller package guy, but he brings a big punch on the field. Um, he's a guy that's able to blitz you. He's a guy that able to, you know, to stop runs, things like that. Um, create sacks from the corner position, which is almost unheard of, uh, for the Colts to do, but Kenny Moore does it. Um, and so, yeah, I would, I'm bringing Kenny Moore up cause I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna knock on every piece of wood and bring all the good juju, but I hope that he returns back to, to elite status, uh, this season. Cause I would love to see him get paid. Um, and I think he, you know, he deserves that, um, when he's consistent, let me say that. So that's, that's it. That's all I got. Kev, I saved yeah. some for you. So I appreciate yeah. that. And I, we got to give Mike, uh, I, I, he mentioned Shaq Leonard. Of course he's got, of course. Get, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, yes. our beloved, our beloved GM, Chris Ballard once said oh, in boy. a very John Madden esque take, if you ask me. Uh, if I could have 53 DeForest Buckners, I'd trade for 53 DeForest Buckners. I will counter that and say I would much rather have, as much as I love DeForest, give me at least 20 Shaq Leonards in there in the mix as well, right? Because he's phenomenal. I really hope he has some better luck this year. Just awful luck. And and while we're talking about interior defensive players, Grover Stewart is a yes, name that that's, I, listen, should get that's mentioned right I, along with DeForest Buckner, if not ahead. 
That is why I left the lift because I was like, I will will go all day about (laughs) Grover Stewart. And I listen, I will take up the rest of this podcast about Grover Stewart. So I was like, let me not say it. I'll give it to Kev. I knew that you were going to at least probably mention Shaq and Buck and definitely Grover Stewart. You're probably in my book. I find it interesting that a 49ers among your great cult list, but whatever. So with that in mind, um, <laughs> Hey, I'm a Notre Dame fan. All right. 49ers are built into this for me. All right. Yeah. I love now that I now know Clifford's uh, was someone's middle name. No, I, I was at the game where Ian Book dethroned uh, Brandon Wimbush, and then he was later dethroned by uh, 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 Dylan Gabriel here at UCF. So I have my own unique relationship <laughs> with Notre Dame. By the way, well, you, can't some imagine, dark memories. you can't imagine how funny it is to cover the Citrus Bowl, have it twice be Notre Dame and LSU, right? And then this past year at the seat at the uh cheese it citrus bowl, as if it couldn't be more confusing. <laughs> yeah, cheese and yeah, lemons it makes sense. LSU wins again with Brian Kelly as the damn coach. Now he's wearing the colors that George that the, the coach Ogeron had. What's died anyways? So I mean, at that point, I had to go with coach. I need to let you know uh, this is the third time I had you here. You were wearing different colors the first two times, but I have fun every time with you at a press room. <laughs> And, and he was very so, you know, for for all the scuttlebutt out there that you know Brian Kelly's stiff. He at least treated me nice. So there you go. But um, no, and, and listen. By the way, I'll say this: regardless of how anybody feels about the Colts and the offensive line, Quentin Nelson is a dude that does judo at his size. Oh my god! Anyways, um, am I allowed to get that excited about a Colts player or anyway? Uh, listen, I'll, I will say this: when I went, listen, to my you're very, checking all my boxes. Sorry. So when I went to my first game in Lucas Oil Stadium, of course, you get to see like the the announcing of the players. Where you don't get that with the away games. By the way, when you get to see the Colts here uh, in Atlanta, you don't get that. They just say, "Yeah, it's the Colts taking the field." Right. So I got my first experience of like these big intros. I never thought I would scream so loud for an offensive lineman. Like they named, I mean, they're naming everybody, and I'm. Q as like as loud as I possibly can. Mind you, I'm pregnant too, which is hilarious. So this oh, pregnant woman, <laughs> this pregnant woman is yelling at the top of her lungs for Quinn Nelson. And it's probably one of the best like feelings to see this guy come out. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever been so excited about an offensive lineman. But yes, I like side note, we need we need Q to get back to like mauling people, just straight up manhandling people. Um, that version of Q is my favorite version. Please and thank you. Once he can get back to doing just his job and not three people's jobs on the that offensive part, line, that part I too. really think he'll he'll slide right back into the guy yeah, we're used to seeing. As a practitioner of that craft, I mean, by the way, um, I, I know we didn't say, we did said defensive guys, but meeting Jeff Saturday is an experience. Anyways, <laughs> um, I don't think anyone doubts that. No, I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good experience too, by the way. Like I, it's it was in 2014. Um, they had the players' union meetings here, and they were doing. I was part of the crew that was doing some stuff with the players' union, um, with uh, Pro Player Insider at the time, and um, they were doing like a little. I think it was kind of a, a a time capsule video, if you will, for the players' association, and they got to telling the story around the uh the um uh collective bargaining agreement association um for the one that's i think this is the one that's just about to expire was the one they were talking about and it was funny watching jeff saturday and drew Brees tell that story and jeff saturday's talking about going up the stairs and and you know they the owners had given the players a deal 
uh, uh, they would give them one deal. And it seemed every deal in the words of the players. Anyway, every deal they got back was even worse than the one that the owners gave previously. Mm. So there's a famous moment among the players in the union and all that, where Jeff Saturday gave the, he said, he goes up to the owners that are talking, you know, Jerry Jones and, 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 um, you know, Roger, Roger Goodell's over there and anything. And he says, he just peeks his head in the door where they're all talking and goes with the throat slash we're done guys, you know, and walks out just before he leaves. He talks about seeing Roger Goodell's face turn beet red and, and everybody in that room stopped. And before the air can exit out of the room, you know, Saturday's already mic dropped. But the funniest part of him telling that story is, you know, is, so I'm going up the stairs and, and I was breathing pretty heavy because I was still a fat kid back then. I'm like, Oh my God. So, um, and, and, and hearing all these guys talk about, you know, Saturday, for some reason I have a quarterback, two corners. I think it was Dominic Foxworth. And I forget the other guy who was, who they were talking about, but they send the, the quote fat kid to go. Oh, great. Thanks. But they're talking about as he would go back up and forth as the envoy to the owners, how he was like, you know, heavy breathing from the stairs and everything. So anyway, there's, there's the Jeff Saturday story. If you wanted that. But, like we'll always it. take that. We'll take it that. Certainly helps after last year. It's nice to have some some good memories, even if they're not my own. Hey, listen, that that, <laughs> that man is nothing but a victim of his success as a nice guy, mm-hmm. and he was put and into player. that situation to keep them. Yeah, he was yeah. put into that situation. Um, I think to kind of focus the PR in a different direction. And wow, this team's bad too. Hey, Jeff Saturday, what are you thinking? You know. I mean, props to the dude for falling on that sword and and being generally positive about it. Not for nothing. And I can't sit here and act like I've never taken a job because someone was my friend and they offered it to me. So that's the other part. Like, and I don't think you got, I don't love the work that Jeff Saturday did, but I'm not going to sit here and blame him for taking a job that he was offered. I mean, he basically stepped in because Ursay, you know, he had been consulting for the Colts anyways. Ursay and him are very good friends. And when someone calls you up and says, hey, what's wrong with my offensive line? What's wrong with my team? And you tell him like, hey, this is what I see. He calls you back in the middle of the night because he values your opinion. And also he's still fuming over said game. And he's like, hey, do you want to be the coach of my team? And you realize, oh, he's not kidding. Um, He values my insight. (laughs) Yeah, I probably would have taken a, listen, I would have done the same thing that Jeff Saturday did. Um, Honey, I need to talk to you (laughs) because, you know, he consults his wife. Is this something we can do? Is this something we want to do? And boom, you know, he's a coach, but you can't, I mean, you can't fault him for at least, you know, accepting it. Also, people forget that they'd been after Jeff Saturday for what, two, three seasons to be on the staff anyway. So it wasn't, totally far-fetched but it was far-fetched in the fact of of course you know his experience obviously we'll go down the rabbit hole if i keep going but yeah that's that's my two cents any other questions that you have for us well and see this is i i guess i'm not you could call it testing your fanhood if you want but i like going down the rabbit hole with you guys because you guys seem to genuinely enjoy it i had the opportunity to actually personally attend the game as a fan at lucas oil stadium and the occasion was hilarious because there was at one point in the game where the Colts did eventually win. By the way, among the most intelligent fan bases in a crowd in the country, and it's not close. One of the most ignorant, Seattle. I said it. Anyways, um, the reason why they're loud is, gr- well, see, they're loud and that's great. They just don't know why they're loud exactly. Anyways, so um, I said it. Deal with it. You know, I don't know what we're yelling about. Oh, that's fun. Ah! <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what we're yelling. I know it's a reference. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But the game in question, at one point, one side was shouting, Reggie, Reggie, as expected. But then the visitor crowd at one point had the opportunity to shout back, Reggie, Reggie, can you put together the game in question? I'm going to be honest. I got nothing for you. <laughs> okay. Well, you could at least, here, I, I'll help walk you through it. You could at least count for the Reggie on your side, I hope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We all know it's Reggie Wayne. Right? Yeah, I was going to say yeah. it's Coach. Yeah, it's our, yeah. It's our coach, our favorite coach, our yeah. favorite uh, former Colts Ring of Honor or current Colts Ring of Honor player turn coach. Was it a Colts? <laughs> Mine. My was favorite it, current Colts coach. Was it that's a Colts on. Packers game? Was it that? No. Okay. I'll give, you this much. I'll give you the opponent. Maybe you could come up with a player. The Dolphins had come to town and we're playing against them. Oh my gosh. And so the Dolphins, who had come to town with the group, had witnessed something that they didn't witness often. Not so much that the running back in question wasn't capable, but that Dolphins at that time in particular were just averse. The coaching staffs just were averse to running the football. You oh know. my gosh. I like, I'm my, my brain is going, um, don't look in the comments. The general's cheating. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> hold on. So oh, that was the, you said it was the dolphins, right? I did. <clears throat> I also mentioned it was a running back. Yeah. Um, that's where I'm like, and it well, it, it wasn't this year, right? This oh, was no, this goes no, back. It wasn't, yeah, yeah, no. this was time ago. Okay. Like, I don't think I, no, I wasn't even credentialed media anywhere yet. So, um, this not that that helps you, but um, uh, well, let's put it this way: you know, if it was when he was first drafted, he would come marching into a completely different beat. Oh, mm-hmm. Reggie Bush, Reggie Bush, Reggie Bush. Yeah. Sorry, I was like, uh, like in my mind, in my mind, I was like, I'm close. I can see his face in my mind, but it just did not like. This is this is. Hey, my brain was not clicking, but as soon as you said marching in, my brain said saints, and I was like, all right, here we go. Dad jokes. Is there anything? Yes, definitely, definitely dad jokes. Um, (laughs) No, but hey, listen, here's what we know for a fact. While the Colts won that game, Reggie Bush is a far better analyst than former Colt Booger McFarland. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) No argument. No mm. arguments. No arguments. There. Well, I will say this. I will say this. Recently, Booger has been better. I will say this. Uh, he has been better in in recent in recent times. When I watched him during the Demar Hamlin uh, injury situation, he was really good uh, at that point in time. And and I've been I've been very critical of the of Booger's coverage because I'm like, dude, like, what, are we watching the same thing? But he was really good, really good then. And I liked his his insight that he provided. Yeah, I think he took Susie Colbert's direction really well. Yes, I would agree. Susie did phenomenal. Uh, Ryan Clark did phenomenal. Scott Van Pelt, you know, did phenomenal. Like, there were several folks during that time who did really, really well. So I mean, listen, it's not often you take a 300-pound man. Well, no, he's lost weight. You take a big man like that on your back and then Schefter, you know, on your wrist because he's smaller and just carry it until they get comfortable, you know. Um and, 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 yeah, I'm not making fun of them because it's a hard thing to do. This yeah. is just me making fun of them and more giving Susie Culber her props because she's – I've been a fan of her as a talent for a long time. So, you know. Yeah. And, like, whatever. There you go. I, yeah. How did we get there? Oh, right. That's my fault. Fault. Bergen McFallman. Right. There you go. <laughs> All right. So, 
I think was that the only question? Other two questions? You had two questions. Did you have any more? I, just well, before? that was the defense. Let's see. And I did that. Mm. Let me. No, let's go here. Um, because you mentioned draft pieces, and and yeah. I would be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity. But if there is a trade you would like to see happen, because my friend Dalton Tinklenberg, who presided over the Colts in the 2023 Student of the Game Real Mock Draft. Re are you see it's another dad joke. Are I, yeah, I, I got it. <laughs> for the listeners, we know you're smart, Megan. Come on. Why we gotta keep doing this? <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you take the bait on that so well. I love it. Um, but <laughs> the um, if there was a particular trade, because representing the Colts, Dalton Tinglenberg made no fewer than two of them. Um one of them trading with the Colts, uh, excuse me, trading with the Colts, trading with the Seahawks, trading up, I think it was, yes, uh, out of the, uh, back into the first round at 20, which mm. was interesting. Um, but he also moved the Colts pick, um, and I believe he traded, now, great, now I'm hard-pressed to remember it. I think, because the Colts have the, Remind me what pick they have. Oh, we have four right now. He traded down to seven with the Los Angeles Raiders. Raiders. Mm -hmm. If there was a move you would like to see them make with that pick, what would it be? And who do you get? Oh, I know immediately. Without hesitation. Yeah. No, I'm not. So Colts fans probably aren't going to like this because they're going to want their quarterback. But I've I've talked about this and I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. There's a two percent chance for shenanigans to happen. There's like a ninety eight percent chance we're going to take a quarterback if we're at four or if we're at three. But the two percent chance is because the draft is unpredictable and you just never know what will happen. Well, and also for Chris Ballard, who said he will not be pressed to make a pick, quote unquote, fit. Right? He's not going to be pressed to fit a pick there. So. In my in this scenario, if you, if the Colts are trading back to seven, Christian Gonzalez is who I would take at seven. Nice. Um, you have a really really thin cornerback room. You let Stefan Gilmore be traded to Dallas. Brandon Facion has been gone to Las Vegas, right? That leaves you Isaiah Rogers, Kenny Moore, and no one else on the other side. You have Dallas Flowers. You have Tony Brown uh, as as depth pieces. These are also special teams guys who are you know they step in to play quarterback quarterback you know in a pinch but they're not your starters so you need someone to go there now obviously christian gonzalez is not stefan gilmore level you know at his peak or anything else like that but he's one of the best athletes in this draft especially at the cornerback position so that would be my pick there at seven if we were if we were taken back okay that's a tough one so i I don't I don't disagree with that one. I the the question I guess that I have because I am not fully tuned in when it comes to the uh, offensive line prospects that are in that particular range. So I've been looking when I did my mocks. It, second round was usually a tackle for the Colts. Like I was mm-hmm. grabbing offensive line pretty early in the draft, but not first round early. So my question, I guess, I, for either of you, I'll, I'll start with you, Kylie. Is there an offensive line prospect that might be sitting there at seven, because personally, while I don't disagree with Meg, if there's a good enough offensive line prospect at seven, that might, uh, I might be enticed by that. 
Well, I for got the, one. Yeah, the advantage, the advantage of being the student of the game and having put together the real mock draft for 2023 as I have, I've got other minds working on that for me. And among the tackles, our guy at nine for the Chicago Bears, Mark Moses out of Melbourne, by the way, 1560 the fan. Um uh he picked Northwestern's Peter Skronsky at nine, mm-hmm. which means by that yep. logic will be available at seven if you know, or or obviously higher. So if you trade down to seven, like Dalton Tinklenburg did with the Raiders, for example, you know, that's something you could do. By the way, what pick would you trade down to to get Christian um uh Meg? Um, I mean, I would be fine if you're at seven and he's available there, like taking him, like I would be completely fine. Um, I wouldn't like for me. Like if the trade was, I don't know, I'm thinking of something outlandish, but let's say the Colts moved all the way back to like 14 or 15. Okay. It's probably not going to be Christian Gonzalez because he's going to be gone at that point. Then I would think you probably, if you're going to take corner, you probably go Joey Porter Jr. There and right. that range, right? Like that's comparable value. Um, I would say, Kev, to answer your question now, this is a little bit of a reach maybe here at seven, but Osiris Torrance would be a phenomenal pick, I think, for the Colts. Um, he tore it up at Senior Bowl, completely tore it up. He's a guard, and you need somebody to play guard right now. You had Will Fries uh, stepping in for nine starts. And while he did admirably in, in stepping in, he is not the long-term answer at right guard. Um, for Kyle's situation, if you were to take Peter Skaronsky at seven, then that begs the question, okay, are you putting Skaronsky on the outside? You're going to put him at right tackle and kick Braden Smith inside to play right guard, which was his position in college. Like you'd have to do some retooling there to figure out how that could work, which it could work. I'm just, you know. I mean, if you put the guy back in his roots, I think that that's an excellent move, right? Right. Like you, you could, you could do something like that where like, Hey, if you're going to take Scaranti because you believe he is the best talent on the board, you know, BPA at this point, in my opinion, he's a tackle. You're confident in Bernard Raymond. He needs, you know, more, more reps, but you're confident in him playing left tackle, kick Scaranti out to right tackle, kick Braden inside to play right guard, which he played at Auburn. There you go. So, and here's a game I'll play in order to have fun with you guys and also at the same time do cheap plugs. But another, there's a pair of occurrences that happened in the student of the game, real mock draft that were pretty wacky. One of them involving your Colts. I mentioned that trade up to 20 coming out of, I think uh, the trade was for uh, a second and third round pick to jump up. Um, and, 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 you know, the C- the Seahawks were interested in taking picks to get more support because goodness knows the Seahawks of late, Listen, I interviewed Richard Sherman, and he had said he was still a Seahawk at the time. This was back in 2014. He had he had said that the Seahawks under Pete Carroll were a support group for guys with chips on their shoulders, which tracks, right? We've seen how confident or cocky, depending on your definition, Richard Sherman is. It's a dude that was drafted at five. Russell Carrington Wilson was drafted at three. This is a thing they do, right? So I say all that um, uh, Shaquille Griffin, for example, out of UCF is a dude with one hand and led his first game. They'll be at preseason in tackles. I don't care. The dude had one hand and he led the game in tackles, folks. Okay. Anyways, shouts to both Griffin twins. But there were two kooky duke things that took place. Which of them is more likely to happen in your mind? That would be Anthony Richard falling to 20 for the Colts to snag. <laughs> or it's just, so, so, he's like, oh, my God, contain yourself. You're a host. Oh. <laughs> or, or Will Levis falling entirely 
out of the first round, which is more likely. Ooh. 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 Oh, uh, I'm going to say Richardson falling to 20. If Levis falls completely out of the first round, holy cow. And and I, the only reason I say that is because I tweeted it earlier today that fans, the way that they view these quarterbacks may not be the way that these teams view the quarterbacks and more Correct. specifically like the Colts, right? Um, fans are convinced. Oh, it's well Levis. Oh, it's, it's, it's Anthony Richardson. Like they're, they're, convinced that this is like gonna be the pick um but if levis falls out of the first round oh my (laughs) that would probably shake up some things um i could see anthony richardson falling to 20 though this is just me falling to 20 because of the the concerns about like the risk for the yeah the project tag which you know he doesn't buy that but the risk of like if you take him, yeah, there's the high upside, but is it worth the risk, right? And people could get scared. They could get spooked by that. We've seen crazy scenarios happen like that just last year. All these quarterbacks were supposed to go in the first round, and only Kenny Pickett went in the first round. So anything is possible, but I just keep that in mind that, like, yeah, I mean, in my mind, I think that Richardson falling to 20 is probably more likely. I just I can't see what Levis falling out of the first round. Like, I can see him tumbling a little bit, but not out of the first round. I don't know if that if that happens. Holy cow! Like the, the question marks are going to be like all off the charts. All right. Well, Kev. I mean, you 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 have admitted to not being as as draft competent, much like myself. <laughs> the great Megan Hall here, but yeah, the, the incredible Meg, as she is thus known. But um, what is what is more what is more uh, not so in your eyes? I think, and I might win over some people who have previously not been super happy with me on twitter but uh i think <laughs> i am going to happy with anyone on twitter buddy. <laughs> Come on. comes with the territory but um i when i'm going to agree with meg here i think it's more likely to see richardson fall to 20 uh, to be completely honest i don't i personally won't be shocked if that is his outcome, uh, I think it's more implausible that Levis falls completely out of the first round. I get what everybody's saying about Richardson. I get it. The potential is there. And I understand there's a good chance that someone's going to be willing to buy into that because the idea is if you're betting on potential, you want to bet on the guy who you think you know has the maximum amount of that potential. And I will agree with those that say that Richardson's ceiling is probably higher than Will Levis's, but 13 games is all we've seen so far. And I'm not going to regurgitate all the numbers with Megan. I've talked about a lot of this, a lot of times on many a Colts podcast. So you know what those numbers are. You know what the adjusted rates are, you know, all of this stuff. I'm just going to say, I won't be surprised if Richardson slides just because there's not a, there's not a lot of tape on him. And I could see there being GMs who are more willing to bet on the fact that Levis got hurt last year. We can look at his 2021 tape. We can look at the different pro-style offenses that he ran. We can see the difference in when we're actually calling plays for him to run and when we're not. Okay, like, I I don't know. I, I think it'll be easier for a GM whose job is on the line to sell themselves on Will Levis in the first round than Anthony Richardson. Because unlike the rest of us, these GMs don't have the luxury of bet- betting on the wrong guy and being around for too long. So I love for those that. Reasons. I love that logic. You you go in, you saying, well, listen, which one is the most likely for the GM to, be- to bet his job on? That's that's a great starting point it's, for answering this question. 
And, and I'll say this for me, Malik Willis falling at the first out of the first round last year is the least crazy of these scenarios. Um, you know, you, you mentioned that last year uh, happening and, and Kenny Pickett being the perfect fit in, in uh, Pittsburgh there. Listen, I look for every opportunity to uh, point out the one time that I felt like I said something that I was more correct about than Omar Epps. I mean, Mike Tomlin uh, in any football capacity. Um, so that listen, if they made a, re- made a reference about that in house, I'm allowed to do that too. Hugh Laurie <laughs> referred to him being a pro bowl coach. I'm just saying, Oh yeah, that's warranted. Uh, you know, uh, but, uh, I never noticed it until you said it. I'll never unsee what? it. What? <laughs> Side note: That's the comp he gets all the time, all the time, all the time. Well, I ignore the Steelers ever since uh, a certain cornerback of the Colts got stabbed in the leg right before a playoff game. I pretend that the Steelers don't exist. I also might be from the same hometown as Big Ben. So uh, anyway, going, moving on. Go Steelers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Alrighty then. I don't know what to make of that. Um, <laughs> that's a problem you'll have to tackle on your own. Anyways, um, too soon. Um, Meg is not happy I made that joke. Moving <laughs> on. <laughs> it's a deep um, cut for the younger Colts fans. You can't make a reference about somebody stabbing and then say deep cut. That is just. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I was really Damn. trying to leave the breadcrumbs. You know what? You know yeah. what? On, on that note, on that note, I think we'll just cut both of you right here because <laughs> I'll take is- my lap, coach. Yes, it's complete chaos. All right, Kyle. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for hopping on. Uh, I think this was probably just as wild as probably the episode that we had last year with everyone, uh, but except for it's just Kyle and, and Kevin. And I, so it's not as it's not as chaotic, but it's close. So it's close to that episode. I can officially go Taylor Swift. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely that. All right, Kyle, tell all the people where they can find you. Listen, first of all, thank you both, the incredible Meg herself, and of course, Kev, uh, both having me aboard here. This was a lot of fun. Um, any opportunity for me to, to, to stroke my ego talking about myself while also talking football with great minds is absolutely a good one. And thank you for everybody in the comments for making me feel welcome in a place that is not necessarily my, air quotes, home. And with that being said, I am Kyle Nash, the student of the game. You can find me on Twitter at the SOTG. Find me on Instagram as the same, the SOTG. Find me on Facebook as a student of the game. Most recent project on the Facebook there. Check out the student of the game real mock draft. That was a lot of fun. Also, a, fa- a, a YouTube version on the Huddle Up podcast YouTube page. You have the playlist that's all 32 of the shorts. And then also Dalton Tinklenberg of the Scouting Combine did a full-length 25-minute version of it that's basically presented in the style of a, 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 um, like an NFL network draft broadcast of the first round, minus it taking literally all night. So, um, (laughs) you get a bite-sized version, I guess. Um, so check all of that out as well. Of course, my writings with the three-point conversion covering the XFL in general. I've been dropping a weekly recap and you'll see some stuff there with the guardians and such, uh, on the uh, three-point conversion YouTube channel. So, uh, check that out. As well, of course, my work with the Black and Gold Banneret, where this Friday I will be at the UCF spring game, uh, seeing what the next offering of Knights football is going to be. Knights, not Citronauts. Let's not start that, UCF fans. Anyways, uh, and of course, my work with A7BN Sports, where I will be sending my friend Dalton Tinklenberg to the draft in Kansas City. That should be a fun one to check all that stuff out that's coming 
um, out of there. And I think that's all the stuff I'm up to. Oh, by the way, tomorrow night, Wednesday, Stu the Game podcast is dropping. I will be talking with the madman Mark Mancini and my good friend Mark Francois, the sports activist, as I call him. He'll be talking a lot of NBA. You might want to check that one out, Kev. Mark's going to be there. Um, so check that out. Uh, that'll go tomorrow night starting at about uh, 8.45 Eastern. And then, um, yeah, soon to get a podcast with all that. All the above being done. Honor, joy, and privilege, my friends. But until next time, class dismissed. <laughs> that was man that was that was a lot and, and i, I love i love that i was gonna say this is smooth all right kev tell the people where they can find yeah i gotta follow that thanks yeah guys. sorry sorry um, kev. sorry hey, about that so uh yeah uh, thank you very much first of all uh thank you kyle for joining us and as always thank you meg for bringing me on to this it's a pleasure to be here truly blessed you can find uh, many people writing, I'll, all I do for the most part right now is edit for them, but I run a manage a wonderful team of writers at The Last Word on Sports. We cover college basketball and the NBA, so big play-in stories, matchups, previews, all that stuff. We got you covered. Check it out. Other than that, you can find me about five nights a week on Bite Size Sports, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. We are live streaming multiple nights a week right now. Uh, there are also we we got multiple content creators. So even if you don't really like me, you know, go check it out. We got eight people contributing on a weekly basis. Your one-stop shop for the NFL, the NBA, sports betting. If you do, you NBA fans, if you want to come hang out with me Thursdays, 9 p.m. Eastern, we go live. The Bounce on Bite Size Sports YouTube channel. Would love to uh, catch you there and get you prepared for the NBA playoffs. But other than that, you can find me on Twitter at Kev Nevik. I I talk about a all I do is run my mouth, guys. So I will for I will uh I'll give you a break. You don't have to hear me pitch the other things that I'm doing, but find me on Twitter. It's all there in the profile. I like to talk movies, comics, all that stuff. And by the way, if you don't like Kev, get a hold of your life. Good God, people. <laughs> Appreciate all right <laughs> so you can you can find me on twitter it's at the megan hall same thing on instagram at the megan hall uh also on tiktok and of course on youtube it's real life blue stories uh you can find my writing on coltswire.usatoday.com that's writing from me and the entire staff and i don't think i rare i rarely ever mention this but i also do writing for a pop culture site called murphy's multiverse and i've been doing uh writing for them for about a year now but it's all things marvel all things dc all things pop culture right now as it relates to the entertainment industry so go check that out it's murphysmultiverse.com uh you've been listening to the real life blue stories podcast with the one and only meg hall and if you don't know now you know um i think that's all the things oh yeah uh <laughs> this is this is the part where i say hey the stories may not always be blue but they will always be true and we'll see you next time for more stories on your indianapolis colts head over to coltswire.usatoday.com <laughs>